church. I think many of you have met him a number of years ago. But maybe some of you are newer, may have not seen him in recent years. Gary is married. His wife is uh, Jenny. She's traveling in Israel now for about five weeks. Is that right, Gary? Good for her. And uh, they have three grown-up children. Gary's been a pastor in um, Canada for a number of years and then been a missionary to Malaysia and uh, teaching in the seminary for a number of years and also came back to be pastor again in Richmond for the last few years. And now he's going to be the again the full-time uh, <clears throat> regional director for the OMF in this uh, Pacific region. So uh, we're happy to... Uh, have him to come and share the word with us today. By the way, apparently he's still working on his doctorate, so that's all right. We won't have that against, hold that against you. But uh, we'll wish you have the doctorate soon. Let's welcome Gary. Well, thank you. Um, am I on? Can you hear me? Okay. Good. Um, it's good to be back with you again. Um, again, I know some number of you won't remember me because you were probably young when I was last here, but it wasn't that long ago. I think it was about four years ago was the last time I spoke once. Um, and I want to say, begin by saying thank you for, I know that the church here has been um, one that has continued to support the work of OMS and missions in general. So I just... Uh, I saw your banners and you have mission right up there along with a number of other great uh, goals and visions. So I would encourage you to continue to keep that vision very much alive. Um, So thank you for your support on behalf of OMS as well. I'd invite you to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, beginning at verse 30. Uh, it's a familiar story, um, and, uh, but I want to look at this anew with you uh, this morning. Thank you for that prayer as well, and we do want to commit the hearing of God's Word to Him for His guidance. So Mark chapter 6, beginning at verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Verse 35, by this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take almost a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? 
How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. Just uh, a few weeks ago, I was in Malaysia. I was back for uh, where we served. I went back to uh, do some teaching, a couple of few intensive courses there at uh, one of the Bible schools and a seminary. Uh, When I arrived, um, I arrived on a Tuesday and it was just before Rama, end of Ramadan, the big celebration, so we got there early for that, and I wanted to spend time with friends. Um, so I arrived, and I went out, of course, and uh, at, uh, we arrived at Kota Kinabalu, if some of you are familiar with East Malaysia, Sabah, and we went, I went out and got a, a SIM card for my cell phone, right, so I could have contact with, because we have many friends, we've served there for a number of years. So I got my SIM card, and I quick contacted the man the, the principal of the Bible college in uh, the small town where we were headed to for our, my first teaching stint for a couple of weeks there. And I said, it was Tuesday or Wednesday probably by that time, I wrote him, I said, oh, here's my number, we're coming tomorrow, Thursday, we're coming to, to, uh, uh, to, to join you and then teach. I was booked to teach one course, spread out, an intensive course, spread out over two weeks. So one two-credit hour course over two weeks, about three hours a day. So I I texted him and said, we're coming. He wrote back and he said, oh, thank you. Good to have your number. By the way, oh, I hate by the way. It usually means something else is coming, right? By the way, he said, we've changed the program a little bit. Instead of teaching one course over two weeks, you're going to teach two courses over two weeks. Oh, thank you very much for letting me know. Uh, then we arrived on the Thursday, and so we're Thursday afternoon, Friday morning, we have a little get-together meeting, and we're talking, and he says, oh, by the way, oh, by the way again, what's this time? By the way, you're, you're preaching on Sunday. Uh, I, I arrived, actually, in Malaysia. You've got to love it. I arrived, and I had one sermon, one preaching engagement book. I preached eight times. By the way, unexpected surprises. And here we have this unexpected surprise for Jesus and his disciples of this huge crowd just when they were expecting to get some rest. Some rest. Now, the the context of this whole story, if you look back towards the beginning of this chapter, near the beginning, Jesus had just sent out his disciples on a, a preaching mission, and they'd been busy preaching, teaching, healing, casting out demons, doing all kinds of great things, and they come back and they're reporting it to Jesus, saying, look, this is what we've been up to. 
And, and he says, wow, that's awesome. You guys need a break. You need a rest. And so he says, notice what he says. And I invite you to keep your Bibles open um, or open them again if you've closed them. And uh, because we're going to be looking at a number of these uh, uh, verses and, and as well as some others. Then because so many people, verse 31, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place. Now, I don't like the NIV translation here, actually. I'll be honest. I prefer the ESV translation because the ESV translation says, a, Come with me to a desolate place. The term that's used in Greek here is actually the term that is used to translate the old Hebrew term for the wilderness. Now, if you could have those pictures for me. Uh, you notice the pictures here. When we think of wilderness or desert, it's translated in different ways, but usually we say wilderness in the Old Testament. If you remember that, the Israelites traveled 40 years through the wilderness. What do we think of when wilderness? We think of those Cascade Mountains, right? We think of going up there and they're lush and they're green and there's all kinds of trees that spread out. That's not what you need to hear when you hear wilderness in the Old Testament. You need to hear this. Next picture, just cycle down. Look at, look at that. That's a pretty barren place, isn't it? And when you go through the wilderness, when you hear that, next slide, just cut. Oh, that's really, that looks like the moon up there. And, uh, but it's not all that dry. Okay, next one. There's, there's, there's green patches, but it's a pretty barren place where you go. And Jesus says, clearly, that's, that's good for the pictures. He says, um, and he makes a point of this. Mark stresses this point. Notice verse 31. Come with me by yourselves to a desolate or a desert place, a wilderness place. Then verse 32. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a... Now, the NIV, for some reason, changes it to a solitary place. It's the same term. To a desert place. A desolate, a desolate place. And then jump down to verse 35. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him and said, this is a... Again, they changed it. A remote place. Same term. It's a desolate, a desert place. Three times they use that term. And Mark is clearly stressing something here is going on. They're going to the desert, to the wilderness, just like they did before with Moses. And of course, that also prepares us. There's, there's a bit of a, of a shock coming in this text. Notice then down in verse 39. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. Did you see a lot of green grass in those pictures? There's not a lot of green grass in this area. And so 5,000 people sitting on an area of green grass out in the desert, in the wilderness. Where did that come from? Now, commentators, some of them will say, oh, that means they must have gone in the spring or early spring or right after the rains. That's not the point. I don't believe. The point is, they went out into the desert place and Jesus led them to green grass. Now, who else leads people to green grass? Do you remember Psalm 23? 
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Oh, wow! Now Jesus comes along and says, I'm bringing you to green grass, to green pastures. Who is this Jesus, anyway? Who is this new shepherd that's come to shepherd and to lead His people? Jesus here is again being portrayed as the good shepherd. Because that's what they need, right? Verse 34. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So He began teaching them many things. They were like sheep without a shepherd. Back in Numbers Chapter 10, verse 33, after Moses has, in the desert, in the wilderness, Moses has just been, uh, he, he has been disobedient and he's told he cannot go into the promised land. And so what does Moses say in verse uh, 10, verse 33? So they said, oh, sorry, I've got the wrong text. Um, sorry, Numbers 27. Numbers 27, verse 15. Um, Moses says, you know, I can't go. Well then, Moses said to the Lord, may the Lord, the God of every human spirit, appoint someone over this community to go out and come in before them, one who will lead them out and bring them in, so the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. God's people need a shepherd. Now again, in the context of this whole chapter, Right after he tells the story, Mark tells this, records the, the story of their, the disciples going out. Then what's the next story? He talks about another shepherd, Herod. Herod is the shepherd. Herod, interestingly, in that context, you remember the story, it's Herod taking care of John the Baptist, eventually executing him. But Herod, in that story, as the shepherd, is the one who, interestingly, also throws a feast. Jesus is just about to feast his people. Herod has thrown a feast, but it's a very different feast. Herod is one of the wicked, bad shepherds. Think Ezekiel 34. If you don't remember that, look it up when you go home. It's the story of the prophet and prophet Ezekiel sharing about how God says there are no they're they're all bad shepherds. They need a shepherd, but there are no good shepherds. I myself will come, he says, and be their shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Jesus, the good shepherd, coming to be the shepherd that they really need and giving them the feast that they need. Well, the next, the other uh, part, you know, this whole idea of the shepherd, the other thing that comes out here is this idea of rest. The need for real rest. Now, again, there's, and, and he, he talks about it in terms of his disciples in verse 34, come, come away to a quiet place by yourselves and get some rest. Rest a while, he says to them, to his disciples. You need rest. 
Now, this whole idea of rest in the Old Testament is also a very, now we get to Numbers 10, uh, a very important one in the Old Testament as well. Um, Again, and it brings up familiar terms for God's people. Numbers 10, verse 33, just after they're leaving Mount Sinai, they've received the law. Verse 33, so they set out from the mountain of the Lord and traveled three days. The ark of the covenant of the Lord went before them during those three days to find them a place of rest. In Psalm 23 again, when the psalmist writes, you know, he leads me uh, to, to green pastures, he leads me beside Still waters is the way we usually translate it, but it should more likely be translated waters of rest. It's the same term as used in Numbers. Um, it's this idea, uh, not of a, of, instead of a rough rolling stream of quiet waters, it's the idea of a place where there's plenty of water and the sheep can rest because there's food and water and they can rest. Israel was always looking for a place of rest. They're looking for a place of rest in the wilderness. They're looking for the promised land where they will finally get rest, find rest, God's rest for them. But it never quite works out, does it? They end up losing the land. They end up kicked out in exile. Even when they come back, they're mostly oppressed by other nations. That rest is so difficult to achieve and to find. It's so elusive for God's people. And so Jesus comes and says, you need a, you need a rest. And even though, and, and, and it's the same term, same root word as is used in Psalm 23 and back in Numbers is used here as well. They don't end up getting the rest, but who ends up getting the rest? It's, it's those, that crowd of people. They come and, and it says here literally in these verses, verse 39 and 40, um, then Jesus directed them to have all the people uh, sit down. The word is literally to recline. Now that's what people do when they eat in the, in the biblical, especially in, in the New Testament. They recline at the table. It gives us, we don't usually think of it that way. That's why we translate it as sit down. But they would sort of recline. Same, similar term, it's not the same term, but same idea as used in verse 40. So they reclined in groups. And it's this idea of a relaxing, restful feast together. Celebrating God's goodness, God's provision for His people. Um, there, this term is used uh, in many places. It's used also in um, when Jesus talks about the messianic banquet that's coming. Luke 13, for example, he says, many shall come from east and west and north and south and recline at the table. It's a place of refreshment and relaxation and rest. God's rest for his people. So Jesus says, Jesus comes and he provides this rest for his people in the desert. He gives them rest. And notice that he feeds them with physical food, loaves and fish, but he also feeds them with with spiritual food, with his teaching, with his words. Again, verse 34. So he began 
teaching them many things. You can either translate that, he taught them many things, or you can translate it, he taught them for a long time. But just remember, Jesus is the originator of the long sermon. Don't worry, don't worry. I I really enjoyed it being back in Malaysia because the one thing I found in Malaysia was I wasn't uh, being chased by the clock all the time. It's the only place in the world I've ever been rebuked for preaching too short. Jesus, he taught them the idea. The concept is here, he just taught them a lot for a long time. Okay, Jesus teaching his people. And then in verse 42, this beautiful little phrase. They all ate and were satisfied. They were satisfied. You know, in in our our culture, in our relatively very prosperous culture, it's hard for us to grasp what that means. Because we never go hungry. Okay, really. We don't know what hunger is. We feel hunger pangs. We're not hungry. We're feasting this weekend, right? We're not hungry. And to know what it means to be really hungry and then to be satisfied. God's provision for his people. And the idea here is there's an ample supply. Did you notice? They end up with more than they started with. Twelve baskets. One for each disciple. God's provision. Rest, refreshment in the desert. Finally, is this little idea of compassion. Christ's compassion for his people. The term that's used, again, in verse 34, um, he saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them. It's a deep term. It's, it's this movement. It's this feeling, deep feeling, deep within that means you have to do something so moved inwardly that you have to do something. It's important to note here, this term in Greek is only ever used of Jesus in the New Testament or a few times it's used in the parables of people who lived and acted like Jesus or like God the Father. The Father, for example, in the story of um, the prodigal son has compassion. But otherwise, it's only ever used of Jesus. It's never used of any other person in the New Testament. And this, this, uh, this story, this miracle story, it's, it's interesting. You know, we're so familiar with it, um, but it is probably the most popular story, miracle story, of Jesus' work, besides the cross, of course, but of all his miracles. It's the only miracle that is recorded in all four gospel accounts. God providing for his people in the desert because of his deep compassion. And then, of course, the challenge is to the disciples, to his followers, to do the same thing. To feel that compassion and to act on compassion. Did you notice the way Jesus challenges them in verse 37? But he answered, You! Give them something to eat. And the you, again in Greek, is emphatic. You, you give them something to eat. And they're taken aback. 
this is impossible. We can't do this. We don't have enough budget for this. This isn't possible, Jesus. We have budgetary constraints. We're accountants. They weren't accountants. Nothing against accountants, okay? I'm not an accountant, so I don't... But, you know, we just don't have it. We can't do it. It's not feasible. And Jesus says, you feed them. I think it's a challenge to all of us in terms of that whole idea of budgetary constraints. And we don't have the money. We don't have the funds. That's not the point, says Jesus. What does he say? What do you have? What do you have? Let me bless that. Alan Cole, in his commentary, says these words, and I quote, God does not usually lead us to see a need unless He has it in His mind to meet that need, often through us unwilling though we may be. Close quote. I'll say that again. God does not usually lead us to see a need unless it is in His mind to meet that need, often through us, unwilling though we may be. That's a scary thought, isn't it? We start to see a need. Maybe that's God saying, I want you to feel that compassion. Do something about it. Whatever you can and let me bless it. And so we see here Christ's deep compassion for people in need in the desert. I was just recently, as I said, in Malaysia, and one of the things I love about working there is, I mean, there are needs everywhere, but I really feel needed in Malaysia. I really feel like... uh, and I don't have this, I don't think, psychopathic you know, desire to be needed or something like that. But there's this sense of, uh, you know, these people, they really, they're hungry. They're really hungry. And there's this sense of need. I Just one little story to close. Uh, while I was there, I, I, we connected with a, 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 man, a family, a squatter family, who we knew before. And uh, they told, he told an amazing story. I went to visit their little squatter settlement a couple times. The second time we went and we started having this little fellowship time. Now, you have to understand, uh, this, this young man, this man, his father, Jimmy, uh, he, he, he has a huge drinking problem. He had a huge drinking problem. Okay? I mean, we'd been there with him totally passed out in the floor of their dirty little squatter shack. And he never woke up the whole time we were there. This was years ago. Um, so we've been working with this family for a number of years, so we went back and visited again. Well, we started having this little fellowship, and Jimmy, we, we used to have come and have meetings and Bible studies and try to help the family. The wife was much more open at that time, and he would usually bolt. He was out the back door and gone, especially when we came to prayer time. And we were like, well, let's pray for you. Jimmy was gone. And uh, so this time, we start the service, and Jimmy's singing away going on. And then he picks up the guitar and starts playing and leading music. I'm going, wow, what, what happened to Jimmy? And his wife said, you see, Gary, he knows more songs than I do now. I said, okay, tell me, what happened? She said, and he told me, he said, it's amazing. Last year, I don't know exactly when it was, he was in a drunken brawl. 
flipped the table over, smashed it. Six guys were trying to rob him. He grabbed, broke the chair leg off the table, went crazy. Put two guys in the hospital, one into ICU. Jimmy is in prison for assault. Five months. While he's in prison, there's prison fellowship kind of services going on. Chapel services. He remembers when we used to have them in his house. He said, oh, maybe I'll attend. Jimmy starts attending. He's in a desert. <laughs> and God starts to work in his life. He eventually gets God received the New Testament. He read the New Testament with Psalms and Proverbs through 28 times in three months. And I'm sitting there watching Jimmy transform. Through a desert experience, fed by the Lord. God continues to meet people, meet us in our desert. And he longs to do it for each one of us. Now we're going to celebrate here soon um, the feast. Another feast. The feast that he gives regularly to his people. And I'd invite you to really, really feast and accept God's provision for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your provision. We thank you for the way that you, you provide for your people in need. Meet our needs, Lord God. Touch us. Feed us. Help us to recognize our need and our hunger and to receive your good provision. We pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.